lifestyle determines success. Success does not determine lifestyle. And so if we can craft amazing lifestyles that enable us to be successful, then we're going to be able to go out and have an impact in the world. You're listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. Okay, hey, good morning. This is Nikki Ballou along with my incredible co-host, Michael Palmer, in the podcast, The Business of Thought Leadership. And we have an extra special treat for you here today. This is a man that I saw speak at Robin Sharma's exclusive high-end, iconic Titan Summit in December 2015. He's a man who, like myself, lives here in the great city of Toronto, and he has established himself as a real expert, a true thought leader, with very, very powerful messages that make a difference for people, both on the level of health as well as business. And he's been somebody who's successfully taken that expertise and commercialized it. I'm talking about, of course, the author of the incredible book, Super Potties, The High Performance Secrets of Top Athletes, Dr. Greg Wells. Greetings, Dr. Greg. How's it going, guys? <laughs> it's going great. Great. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So listen, Dr. Greg, we really want you to tell us a little bit about your story. How is it that you came to have the expertise that you have? Let people listening to the podcast get a sense of who you are and what your message is all about. Uh, sure. So I was a competitive swimmer growing up and I was fortunate enough to get up to a reasonable level and as an athlete. And that was sort of my passion. And that led to me doing an undergraduate degree in kinesiology. And uh, when I graduated from my kin degree, I almost immediately started a business where I took the ideas from sports, everything that I had learned from sports science about high performance and how to reach your potential as an athlete and converted that into business and was fortunate to get a couple fairly big clients right away, mostly just through networking and uh, did that for a few years, ran into a situation where one of my clients, <laughs> keep in mind, I'm like a 24 year old uh, former athlete, undergraduate degree guy at this point. And I was doing a seminar on stress management at a bank for some very senior people. And one of the ladies put up her hand and said, excuse me, young man, um, do you have a mortgage? And I said, no. It's like, so do you have a family? No. Kids? No. So what could you possibly have to tell me about stress? And you know, I spoke to her about breaking my neck and coming back and, uh, you know, managing stress and sports, but it really resonated with me that I didn't have enough expertise to be able to command the audience the way that I wanted to. And so I went back and did my master's and PhD and ultimately a couple postdocs and did some work at some of the most amazing hospitals in the world and consulted for the U.S. military and, and banks and the Olympics and, and sort of expanded over the course of 10 or 15 years to uh, have a lot of amazing experience backed up with some really good academic credentials. And that's just now exploded into this other amazing world that I'm in at the moment where you and I met it at Titan. Fantastic. I love it. It's, it, it's absolutely amazing. And you've written a really incredible book called super bodies. Could you tell us a bit about that book and the central message in that book and why that's an important book for the listeners to this podcast to pick up a copy of? 
Yeah, so the book came out of uh, the Olympics. So I commentated the Olympics for Canadian television in 2010 and 2012. And after uh, the 2010 games, uh, HarperCollins and my uh, my book my book agent at the time, uh, Chris Bucci, contacted me and, and said, you know, we'd love you to do a book. And so I wrote the book essentially about the high-performance secrets that world-class athletes use to perform under the pressure cooker of the Olympic Games. So the book, in the book, I go into how they train. I talk about their psychology, the tips and tools and tactics and strategies that they use around nutrition to try to be better and try to make it as relatable as possible to people so that they can use that information to amplify their own lives and reach their own potential. Because even though we're talking about Olympians, even though that we're talking about these extreme performers, the, the things that they do are things that all of us can do to amplify our own lives. So the relaxation techniques that they use to manage their stress when they're walking out into a stadium in front of 80,000 people to compete, it's exactly the same tools, tactics, strategies, breathing, relaxation techniques that all of us can use if we are walking out to do uh, a speech in a boardroom at our companies. So I believe that there's a powerful relationship and a really inspiring, easy uh, message to grab a hold of that we can reach our potential by looking more easily reach our potential by looking at these elite performers and learning from them and applying those strategies to our own lives. That's fantastic. Love it. Love it. Hey, Michael, I know you've got a couple questions for Greg. Why don't you jump right in? Yeah. Well, Greg, what I really like about, you know, I've had the opportunity to meet you like Nikki has, but just looking at your website, reviewing your book, and certainly after you've uh, talked a little bit about, about it now, I'm definitely going to read it. What I love is how you've you you spent your life studying a bunch of information around uh, people's bodies and you did education on it. You immersed your life into it. But you've also taken the leap to something where you're 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 operating in a very commercially viable business around all of your knowledge. And so we talk about an expert, someone who knows something. You obviously know a whole bunch of something, but you're also known for knowing that. And that's what creates a thought leader. So I'd like share some stories of where the breakaway moments that, you know, you mentioned a few, but what, how did you take it from being, you know, you're an academic to somebody who's actually making money and very good money and, and getting your word and your message out there on a, on a, on a global level. How'd you get there? (laughs) Um, No, it's funny. I was, I did a speech recently and there was a, one of the students that was at the talk came up to me afterwards and said, Greg, how'd you do it? You know, I, I, I want to do what you're doing. You know, you, you've, you're doing so well. You're like, it's, you're natural at this. I thought about it. I'm like a natural at this. And I kind of laughed because I've spent thousands of hours in public speaking training. Uh, when I commentated the Olympics, I was working with a, a colleague of mine and we were dissecting the video of my commentary to try to, figure out how I could do better in a Q&A session. Uh, every little micro movement was analyzed and dissected. When, when I do public speaking engagements, I spent several years crafting the structure of the talks that I give so that they are as powerful as they can possibly be. So uh, the one thing I can say is that I've just done so much background work to put me in a position where I can take scientific information and convert it into something that's usable, understandable, and impactful for many, many people. 
because it's not that easy to do. It's hard to take scientific papers and convert them into something that makes sense for someone who doesn't necessarily have a scientific background, a business person, a musician, someone in academics. So that was a big piece of the puzzle. Where if you want to be a thought leader, uh, and I don't really view myself as a thought leader. I sort of I'm an inspiring thought leader, and I'm having some reasonable success right now at it. But I still think I've got a long way to go. And one of the things I really encourage people to do is to figure out what you know and then don't necessarily think so much about what you're trying to say. Think about what the audience or what the people you're speaking to want to learn or it communicates them in such a way that they always understand you. So I've spoken to grades four, five, and six. I've spoken to senior leadership at, at, at financial organizations and you just, it's the same message everywhere. It's the same information everywhere, but you can convert what you're saying uh, into stories, into language, into a communication mode that works for whoever you happen to be, be speaking with. So the Olympics was, in commentating the Olympics, was obviously a, a big amplifier. The book has been incredible. Getting a book out there is very, very powerful for you. I did many years of public speaking for free, uh, volunteering, just getting in front of audience, putting in repetitions, and eventually started to make a little bit of money at it. Uh, and now the public speaking is doing very, very well. And I still do free events for schools, but I, you know, I charge corporate clients and that enables me to have an impact in the world that I want to have in many different areas. So it's been a long, long, long journey, many, many, many years where I made absolutely no money. I constantly reinvested it back into myself or back into the business. But I think over the last three years, things have taken off and they seem to be growing exponentially, which is a huge relief. And uh, yeah, I hope that people listening are, are inspired by that and can use this information or if anything I've got to say to uh, have an impact in the world and take their information and, and help people. You know, what you said really struck me Despite all your success, despite your clear expertise, despite the fact that you are truly an authority in this arena, you still look at yourself more as an aspiring thought leader than an actual thought leader. Well, I'm just going to beg to disagree with you. I'd say you are a thought leader, but it's wonderful to see someone like you be so humble about it all and uh, really continue to be in learning mode. I guess that's one of the key messages of success that you have is continue to work at your craft, continue to hone it and continue to learn. Am I right about that? Totally. I am voraciously consuming books right now and really being careful about who I expose myself to in terms of what podcasts am I listening to? What media am I consuming? What books am I reading? Uh, which researchers am I following? Who am I communicating with? And I am relentless about up-leveling my learning now. And, you know, I'm transparent. I'm 44 years old. I'm a professor at the University of Toronto. I'm a scientist at two different hospitals. And I am trying now to take my learning to another level in other areas, but as well in my, in my core area to stay current, stay up on the research. So I guess it's just an attitude of constant, nonstop, relentless improvement. Because unless I'm doing it, someone else is going to do it. No matter how good you are, you can always be better. I've been very fortunate to work with probably a dozen, maybe, maybe 15 athletes who are ranked top three in the world at whatever their sport happens to be. And none of them think that they're where they could be. They're all thinking, how do I get better? They're all thinking, and how do I perfect myself? How do I improve? You know, what little things can I do in my life to make myself a better athlete? And that's something that I think that's rubbed off on me. Like, yeah, I've, I've 
I've done really well. I'm speaking to some amazing audiences. I, I wrote a best-selling book and my podcast is doing great and, and all those sorts of things. But I'm kidding myself if I think that it's going to stay that way for the next 10 years. If I'm not learning, if I'm not trying to figure out something new, if I'm not trying to really push the limits of what I'm capable of and and humans around me are capable of. So yeah, no, that's a, a big philosophy in life and something I think that we all need to latch onto. And it, it, it helps you to uh, justify the um, investment of time that it takes to be fit, to read, to study, to do all these things. Because if you're reading, you're not selling, you know, so you've got to justify taking the time to do it. Well, Michael has this philosophy that one of his mentors taught him, and I'm going to let him amplify on it, but it's called think, sell, and deliver. And Michael, maybe you should say a little bit more about that, given what Greg just told us and, and ask a question around it. Yeah, I think, Greg, you nailed it when you're out there delivering. And at that time, you're not able to be doing the thinking that you need to be doing and you're not able to do the selling. And it and works in every single one. When, you, when you're thinking, you're not selling or delivering. And when you're selling, you're not thinking or delivering. So I'm curious about how you balance that out for yourself because obviously the work you do requires a lot of thinking and a lot of delivering but you also have to be selling and I think that's one of the things that would bar most academics from getting out and getting the kind of exposure that you've had is that this whole concept of selling selling yourself so what was that like going from academia to yeah I got to go out there I've got to book speeches I've got to get a book deal I've got to enroll and get people interested in what my message is. And, and when you're talking about a corporation and, and doing work with a corporation, that requires selling. Yeah, it's been really hard. That has not been the easiest road to navigate, to be just completely transparent. I'm still a professor and I'm still trying to balance being a public figure, being a, a consultant, being a speaker, being an author, as well as producing academically. And sometimes people colleagues love it and other times they don't really see how it's possible or if you should even be doing it at all and so it does create some tension but what I'm convinced of is that what I'm doing in the public space is more of a mission for me now I believe that I'm trying to tackle sleeplessness physical inactivity mental health and obesity and these are huge epidemics that face our world and I want to impact a billion people in my life solve a billion person problem which is those four epidemics so if I'm out there doing a speech I know that that's the miss that that's my mission in life and so if someone maybe challenges the use of my time in doing that it now means nothing to me because I know that I'm doing what I need to be doing with my life so that's a big big factor. It sort of allows me to live with myself and what I'm doing and the strategies that I'm, that I've adopted. Now, in terms of sort of keeping the foundation solid, keeping the academic career moving forwards while I'm out in the public space doing this in order to do, to do that, I'm very fortunate. I've been able to recruit and retain and, and build an unbelievable team of people and researchers that, that I work with. So that regardless of whether or not I'm out doing a speech, our team is doing an incredible job doing research, publishing papers, uh, making presentations, breaking new ground from a knowledge perspective. So we all work together and we all share share the rewards and we're all deeply engaged in these different aspects. And it's a definitely a different approach to what it means to be an academic. But I think that it's the future because ultimately 
at least in Canada and certain parts of, uh, you know, we're, we're publicly funded institutions and we have a duty to the population to take the knowledge that we create and convert it into something that they can use or at least tell people about it. And so it's definitely been very, very, very difficult to manage those two aspects of, of life. But I feel like I'm getting to the point now where it's starting to work well and both sides are, are moving forwards. And ultimately, I believe it's the future and certainly it's the way I want to be living my life. So uh, it's worth the battles. Fantastic. Well, you know, there's there's a number of folks who, like you, have a background as either a PhD or a medical doctor who are also doing thought leadership. I mean, obviously, Dr. Oz comes to mind. I remember listening to a podcast Darren Hardy had where he said Dr. Oz, in addition to you know his books and his daytime TV show, he also does 200-plus procedures, cardiac procedures a year at New York Presbyterian Hospital, which I think is absolutely amazing. And uh, it sounds to me like uh, that's a path that you're uh, trailblazing on as well. And it's a very powerful path, which uh, you seem to think there's other folks in academia that can start bringing their expertise into the public eye in as well. Yeah, I would love for us to be able to consider that whatever your area is, it can be academia, but it can be, if you're a specialist in anything, if you have a specific expertise, a unique ability in some particular area, I do believe that it's it's so powerful if we can share that. If you can share that on your blog, if you can share that in podcasting, if you can share that in articles written for local newspapers, if you can share that on local radio, local television, eventually write a book, then we're having an impact on the world. It's so easy now to communicate with thousands, if not millions of people. And that's exciting. It's fun. It's different. It's hugely uh, there's a ton of pressure that goes along with it, but that's what being a thought leader is all about. And with the the way that the internet is these days, you can you can get out there and get your message out there and, and establish yourself. But ultimately, not just you know establish yourself, it's have an impact, and that's really exciting. It's an exciting time for all of us, I think. I love it. I think that's absolutely fantastic and very very true. And very much in keeping with the philosophy of this podcast is that, you know what, once we get to a certain stage in our lives, as you have, as I have, as Michael has, as, as many of our other guests on this podcast have, you've garnered a certain amount of expertise. And if you've garnered that expertise, you really have almost an obligation, a duty to, to, to find a way to use that expertise to, to reveal it and to share it, to help other people and help make the world a better place. Yeah, and that's um, that's what gets you through the tough times. Because I mean, let's face it, it's not not all the time that you're standing up on a stage delivering, you know, a, a great speech to a large audience. So much of it has to do with prepping and preparing and thinking and practicing and and breaking things down and critiquing. It's it's what happens behind the curtain that determines your ultimate success. But the work behind the curtain is thankless. It's tiring. It's there's, there's no light shining on you. And so you've really got to have a deep drive to get your message out there and to have an impact in the world. And that's what helps me do it. If I'm up late at night preparing, or if I'm on a, a red eye flight home to, you know, after giving a speech that I can be at work the next day. I mean, it's, these are It's tiring. You're taking time away from your family. You're taking time away from other things that you could be doing. And it's when you have that mission, when you have that impact, that it makes it all worthwhile. 
you get that one email from someone that said, you know what, I read that blog post and it affected me in this way. That keeps you going for months. That's exciting and it's fun and it's rewarding. And that's what makes life different and better and more and, and, and just uh, a whole new way of living, which we have access to these days. I love it. I love what you just said. I think it's very powerful. I mean, when I saw you speak at the Titan Summit, I was deeply impacted by your talk. I mean, your message really resonated for me. I used to be in the fitness space as a fitness coach. I'd done some work with some folks that you and I both know together. And um, it really is very rewarding to hear a message like the message you have to share. Certainly, I was inspired to begin reading Superbodies. I'm in the midst of reading it. I love it. It's a great book. Highly recommend it. I, I think what you do is is very important and you've already made a difference for me and I know you're going to be making a difference for all our listeners on this podcast as well. One other thing that you know I find very impressive about you as a as a thought leader, Dr. Greg, is how humble you are and 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 how much it's not about you as much as it is about your message. And I think that's a very important thing that a lot of aspiring thought leaders can learn from you about. And I wonder if you would mind illuminating that for us a bit more. Yeah, sure. Um, I, so I think it comes a little bit out of coaching. So I started, in addition, when I was starting my company, when I was in my 20s, I was also coaching at the same time. And if my athletes did well, then it reflected well upon me. And I, I very clearly saw coaches that were in it for their own development versus their their athletes' development. And I really wanted to be one of those coaches that put all of the emphasis and celebrated the athletes. And then I've, I've always done that. I believe that if you celebrate the people around you, if you build up the people around you, that they, that reflects well upon yourself. And I've always done that. And I find that it motivates the people around me. And ultimately, everyone knows that it's, it's the team and it's, it's you. It's, a, it's the group of people that you're a part of that are successful. And so I've always tried to do that. And now that I'm in a bit more in the public space, I've been trying to do that with the people that are in the audience and the people that are listening and the people that are reading, because it's fine that I can stand up on a stage and deliver a speech and tell people about information. That's great. And it's fun. And it's, it's, it's fantastic, but it's what people do with that information that transforms the world, that transforms individuals. And if I can celebrate those people, if I can find those people, and if I can uh, get those people to help inspire others, then that's how I'm going to hit my billion person target. I can't talk to a billion people in my life, but I can influence through networks a billion people. I'm convinced of that, and I'm going to try to do that. And so, yeah, if we can give people information or give people tools, tactics, strategies, and techniques that amplify their lives then that makes you a thought leader. That makes you successful. And the more of that you can do, the more successful that you become. And so it's not about selling. It's not about making money. It's about having an impact and a powerful impact. And if you do that, then of course you're going to be compensated because people will buy your books. People will show up to your presentations. People will buy online programs from you or, or whatever it is, that you, whatever product it is that you create. Uh, but it's that impact that I believe is the most important thing. And what, what I'm trying to do in terms of improving physical health and improving mental health, you can see it. You can see people getting healthier. You can see people getting fitter. You can see people overcoming chronic illnesses. And when you celebrate that, it inspires other people to do it. And we can learn and we can share and we can encourage. And that's super exciting. I, I got an email from someone very recently, uh, last, last week. And 
uh, it was someone who had been in a talk a year ago and they said, Greg, you know, we've been working together for a year, but I haven't had the courage to be able to, to tell you this, but I wanted to do it in an email. And, you know, he's, he's lost almost a hundred pounds. He's rebuilt his relationship with his wife. He's completely revolutionized the way that he's working and his team uh, at the office. And he said it was all because of a few critical things that you said during one of your speeches and some of the stories of the athletes that you told. So, you know, even there in the speech, I'm celebrating the athletes that I work with. That information gets taken by someone who's in the audience. They overhaul their lives. Their family is affected. The people at their office are affected. It has nothing to do with me. It's just all about the information. And when we start sharing all of that, incredible things can happen. Wow, I love it. I absolutely love it. This is absolutely fantastic. So Greg, one of the things that we like to wrap up with that I learned from a mentor of mine was I always ask the the thought leader, the expert that we're interviewing on the podcast for three expert action steps that they want our podcast listeners to take. So what would be three things that you would give out as, as your best advice for the listeners to this podcast to, to, to move on right away? All right. So the best three things that they can do, um, I'm going to give you four because it matches my four principles. Love it. Uh, eat, sleep, move, think. I would love people just to try to eat a little bit better every single day, eat more natural foods, eat healthier foods, less processed foods, less sugar. If you can do that, you're going to make a huge difference. Uh, I would love people to try to sleep seven and a half hours a night. I know people are busy, but that amplifies learning. It amplifies creativity. It amplifies recovery, cr- cuts chronic disease. I want people to move at least 15 minutes a day, ideally an hour. Break it up. Don't care what it is. Just move every single day. And then think. I want people just to try to be mindful, try to take a moment where they can be with themselves or with the most important people in their lives and just allow their brains to recover. And that all leads into the idea that lifestyle determines success. Success does not determine lifestyle. And so if we can craft amazing lifestyles that enable us to be successful, then we're going to be able to go out and have an impact in the world. Well said. I, I love it. I love it. I, I also want to tell everyone listening to, to this podcast, definitely buy a copy of Super Bodies. It is well worth having. It's one of the greatest books that's ever been my privilege to read when it comes to health vitality and high performance. You're learning from a true master and you're learning based on science-based research on what has the very fittest and healthiest people in our world be performing at their best. So pick up a copy of that book and check out Dr. Greg Wells online. I believe his website is drgregwells.com and uh, he's got all kinds of really, really great videos online as well. And I know Michael has something he'd like to say as well. Well, I was going to speak to the website, actually, not just go there, but actually go there and actually look at it from a great representation of how you can position yourself as an expert, as an authority, and bring out who you are in your website. So I really felt that I was able to get to know who you were just by going through your website, the things that you're involved in, what you're passionate about. Uh, your bio, you know, and all that good stuff about why you are an expert, but it really has great imagery. It has great messaging and it's, it's a, it's a, it's a great place as a thought leader to go and learn and look at what, what's working. Awesome. Thanks guys. I appreciate that a lot. So it means it means a lot to have people like you say the things that you're saying. So thank you very much. 
Thank you. Thank you. It's totally our pleasure. You've been listening to the Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. For more information and to download the resources mentioned in this episode, please visit us at thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Thank you for listening.